This is the Saddled Stallion Podcast, where men are equipped and encouraged to understand their wiring, clarify their mission, and find purpose along the path to its fulfillment. I'm your host, Chad Kanyer, and I'm stoked to have you here. Let's roll. I'm a firm believer that a large portion of the issues in our world, in our society, in our communities stems from the failure of men. I'm going to leave that right there. So I'm on a run recently. Actually, it wasn't recently at all. It was a long time ago. But I wrote down the notes that I put together after that run, and I'm finally turning that into a podcast episode. Uh, thus is the creative mind or whatever. I'm on a run and I was running through kind of a neighborhood situation and I came across a front porch. There's a lot of front porch sitters where I live. That's a whole other podcast. But anyway, uh, so that's not an uncommon thing where I'm living right now. And I ran by this porch and there was a guy and a gal on the porch and they were, I don't know if they were talking or if they were just interacting, but they were looking at each other. And I only saw the female and I saw her eyes on him, right? And I'm, I'm kind of flying by, so I, I just got a glance. But I remember specifically feeling when I saw her look at him, I had a feeling of, wow, she really trusts him, looks up to him, values his opinion, leans on him, cares for him, just in her eyes. I could see that. And it got me asking the question, I wonder whether he is worthy of that love. I'm going to talk in this episode about the situations that men are called into with women and the roles that we are expected to play in those relationships from the woman's perspective and the roles that we really are playing in the relationships And I'm going to pull from my own experiences to illuminate the areas that we fail. These are areas that the culture we're living in today tells us are completely acceptable, even expected areas in which to fail, but areas that we cannot afford to fail in anymore. The implications of our failures in these categories is catastrophic, and we need to take it seriously. Now, I'm not just going to rag on you, okay, but I am going to probably speak from my own experience in order to relate with you and also to share with you that I'm not better than you, but there are things that I've learned, especially from marriage and some other things I've gone through in my life that have really taught me that what society enables and what society even encourages in certain situations, it doesn't always pan out and it actually does a lot of damage. You see, many women didn't have dads. I mean, if you look at the divorce rate now, right? And divorce is just one statistic. We know that a lot of couples stay together that are really unhappy. It doesn't mean that you had a healthy childhood if your parents are still together, right? It's probably correlated, but we look at half of marriages split up, right? Then you just add 20%. If you want to talk about maybe unhealthy marriages that some people would say should have split up, right? Because they they subjected their children to things that they just shouldn't have been subjected to. Many women didn't have dads growing up. 
right? So their concept of fatherhood, of male leadership could be completely flawed just based on the fact that they didn't have that modeled for them as a child. And so they have more question marks than they do answers and leading indicators of what a positive male role model looks like in their relationship, in their home, right? Especially as you start to think about having kids, etc. They don't know exactly what they're looking for. They just know their entire perspective is shaped on what they have seen. Many women have crappy dads, kind of alluded to this, but Many women, yeah, their dads were like loyal and committed or whatever. They were around, but they weren't necessarily the model for loving. They weren't protective. They weren't caring. They weren't gentle. They weren't leaders. They weren't communicators. Maybe they completely isolated. Yeah, sure, they were in the house, but you never heard from them. They never spoke up on the important issues, right? So they, maybe they were crappy dads. And then even the women who had great dads, now the advantage they have is that they had manhood modeled for them the right way, right? So they know what they're going out and looking for. A lot of women who had healthy relationships with their fathers and had positive role models as fathers when they were kids, they know what they're looking for. So they have the advantage there and they really want to marry their dad. I mean, a lot of women who have, like, if you meet them and they're like, I can't wait for you to meet my dad and you get to know the dad and, you know, by all measures, you know, at least the, <laughs> based on the first dinner or whatever, he seems like a great guy. She's probably trying to find a guy very similar to that guy. Even if she complains about certain elements of his character, Okay, yeah, that's those are rounding errors in her estimation, right? She's really looking for a guy who is going to resemble her father because that's just what she's comfortable with. And the sad thing is, it doesn't have to be a healthy situation at home for women to naturally gravitate towards the men that act like their fathers, right? And so that can actually propagate issues from their childhood into their relationship life, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this episode is to focus on our roles as men and what roles we are required, charged with playing, and how we can be good stewards of that role. So this gal looking at this guy with reverence, with respect, that was really the word I wanted to go for. It was a reverence. It was a, hey, you ultimately call the shots. I'm going to put in my submissions and I can be passionate about my submissions, but you are ultimately leading this house. And my question in my mind as I ran away, not ran away, I wasn't fleeing the situation or anything, but as I left, as I continued my run was, I wonder if he's worthy of that or is the bar just really low right now for men? And I will attest that I think the bar right now is very low for men, and that's unacceptable. We need to raise the bar instead of milking the reality of a low bar. Regardless of why women crave this or what specific characteristics they're looking for in men based on their relationships with their fathers and also with other men, they crave love and leadership from men. Now, this is not a sexist podcast where I'm going to cut down women. In fact, the whole idea is to build up women by building up men to serve a, in a higher capacity to love and serve and protect and provide for women better. Okay, so if you're a feminist, A, why do you listen to this podcast? <laughs> B, that is not my intent. My intent is not to offend or harm or anything like that. My intent is to bolster up men so that we can start correcting some of the majorly negative forces in our society. 
Net, net, men crave a lot of things from women, okay? And yes, one of those is what we're all thinking about right now, and there's a sufficient amount of information about that out in the media and just in our minds, honestly, everywhere. But men crave many things from women, including respect, including a warm, safe place to be when life is getting us down, a place of comfort, a place of, hey, we're leaning into our mother's bosom, same kind of thing, right? Where we need to be nurtured, we need to be encouraged, we need to be told that, hey, us going after our dreams is a good thing, we're going to get there someday. There's a million things that men need from women other than sex, okay? Women have similar needs from men. One of the things I've noticed is they need nurturing, they need love, they need to feel protected, they need to feel spoken for. A lot of women don't mind healthy jealousy. Healthy jealousy, operative word there is healthy, okay? Not obsessive territorial jealousy. I'm talking about jealousy of like, no, 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 hey, you're my girl. We're committed. I don't need you talking to that guy. They they actually like that. I've always seen my wife enjoy those kind of situations. It doesn't happen often, by the way. Don't make a move. All right, I will freaking slap you. Do not make a move. Women humbly submit to this authority. If a man enters her world and he is willing to give her love and friendship and leadership, and, you know, obviously there's some other things that have to align, right? They have to be attracted to one another, like the timing has to be right, et cetera, et cetera. But she will be committed to that man, right? And it depends on her background and obviously depends on, you know, how many people are pursuing her and how arrogant she is and how pretty does she think she is, et cetera, et cetera. But if all the stars align, a big component of that alignment being, is he willing to give her love and leadership? She will be committed. Here's the big question I have for you today. Are we leading women the right way? Are we leading women at all? Or are we just enjoying that perspective that women have, that trust in us? Think about the woman on the porch with her eyes for the guy. Did he earn those eyes? Or is he stumbling into a positive situation based on her needs, based on the yearnings of her heart? That's what we have to ask yourselves. Because I look around in our society and I see guys abusing that look in her eye. I know I did for years. Abusing the look in a female's eye. Abusing the hope in the eyes that I'll commit. That I will lead her well. That I will protect her. That I won't make a fool of her. And I have fallen flat on a million of those commitments, whether I verbalize them or not, but the commitment to live up to those eyes. When men are finally respected and revered, what happens? We love authority. If there's one thing I know men love, any man is authority, right? When we're put in charge of something, whether it's a dumb little thing or a big thing, we like that. There's an ownership in that. And that's just how we're wired. We're competitive. We want to build things. We want our name to be on the plate. It matters to us. We love this authority and we abuse this authority, especially with women. We are abusing this authority. We're finally respected and we're revered. But let me tell you, just because she treats you like a king does not make you a king. There are many men out there right now who act like kings of their household, kings of their relationship, and they are boys with crowns on. And so we need to earn the crowns that are placed upon our head. It is a charge when a crown is placed on your head. It is not an entitlement. 
Hey guys, you might already know this, but I am not in the business of providing a random message to a random audience. I am in the business of providing meaningful, impactful messages to those seeking more purpose in life. I need your help to do this. I'm inviting you right now to engage in a dialogue with me and to send me ideas, send me thoughts, send me questions, send me issues that you're struggling with that I can speak about on this podcast. Go to my website, chadcanyer.com. It's my name, .com. Go to the contact page, fill out a form. I will get an email and I pledge to get back to you within a week and engage in a dialogue around that topic. I cannot guarantee that I will speak on that on the air because I might be the dumbest guy in the world on that subject, but God knows I will do my very best to engage with you and to provide value, not just to you, but to every single listener, because that is why I'm doing this. Help me make this more purposeful. I'm calling this episode the call of a crown, because you have two paths to choose when you are crowned with the trust and the love and the admiration of a woman. You can either answer that call to become a man worthy of that admiration and that reverence and that loyalty and that respect in her eyes, or you can abuse the crown. Which man are you? There is a purity, there is an innocence, there is a trust, there is an angelic component of every woman. I see it in my daughter, I see it in my wife. I see it in my sisters. I've seen it in my mother. I've seen it with women that I work with. I see it with women I work for. I've seen it in women that work under me. There's something special about women. There's something pure. There's something untainted in their purest form. I don't see that in men. Yes, I see the good in men, but I don't see the purity from the jump in men. It is up to us to protect and preserve and fight for that purity. Do not be a coward with a crown on your head. This is something I really needed to hear in my 20s. You have to become worthy of leading her, man. The crown is an invitation to grow into a man worthy of the title, worthy of being her protector and her provider. You answer that call or you abuse the crown. The call requires sacrifice. Every crown that has ever placed on a man's head required sacrifice to get it and will require sacrifice to sustain it, to keep it on his head. Your relationships will fall flat if you abuse your power and you will not realize the beauty of her trust, the beauty of her loyalty, the beauty of her reverence until it's gone. And it will be too late to go reassemble your crown and try to stick it back on your head. It's going to be over at that point. And guess what? You're going to have to go and find another girl who has enough respect for you because she doesn't know your background. The call requires sacrifice. There are three men in our culture today, and I've been all of them, okay? So I'm not judging, but there are three men who are abusing the crown. Number one, I'm going to make people feel uncomfortable here. You're watching pornography, You're talking to a guy who is watching pornography three plus times a day and doing the associated activity just as many times, okay? I'm not an idiot. I've been through countless groups and conversations about 
this. It's an epidemic in our country right now. No one wants to talk about it. If they are willing to talk about it, they're going to assert that it's normal, that it's healthy, that it's fine within the context of a relationship with no boundaries and open understanding, and they are flat freaking wrong. If you are watching pornography right now and you're in a relationship, it is changing the way you view women. It is changing your understanding of the power dynamic and the role that sex plays in the power dynamic between men and women because pornography is disgusting. Where it's going is disgusting. Where it's already gone, where it is, is disgusting. You have to get pornography out of your life. You have to get pornography out of your brain. And there's no way to just stop. You have to go talk to other men who are addicted to it. That is the only way that you will get free from it. Within the context of a relationship, if you are thinking right now, well, my girlfriend says she's cool with it, or my girlfriend even watches it with me, she is doing that because she thinks it will keep you around. She is doing that because she thinks that you want that, that that's going to be a prerequisite for you to be with her. And she is wrong. And the only reason she would be allowed to think that is ding, 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 you are allowing her to think that because you're not man enough to own your own problems and to say, listen, I'm committed to you. I don't need to be looking at all this other garbage. It's permutating the way I look at women. It's going to change our dynamic and our sexual chemistry, and our sexual relationship. It's going to change my expectations of you. Very unfair, disgusting expectations, by the way, of her. And there's a little girl in there, the girl that you're with. There's a little girl in there that wants nothing to do with that. She's terrified by the very notion of you watching other women do things that she has to live up to that. And what if he wants this? And what if he wants that? You are abusing your crown, young man. You are abusing your crown. And I have done it. And I brought it into marriage and it almost ruined my marriage. Get it out of your life. Do whatever it takes to rip it from your brain. Rip it from your life. It will only rip everything else that you ever want to build relationally unless you rip it out of your life first. And if you don't think it's a big problem, try to get it out of your life. Let me know in a week how big of a problem it is. That demon is not going to go easy, man. You need other guys around you to help you fight that demon. That's number one. I'm going to start pretty hot. I'm going to move to some easier stuff, okay? I think we're engaged. If you haven't dropped off yet, I would assume you're heavily engaged. I'm going to go easy now. Number two, you are refusing to commit to her, bro. If you are dating a girl for over, gosh, I don't know. I'm an impatient fool. So I'll say, I would say two years, like the max I would ever be with a girl and be like, Hmm, I'm still not sure whether I want to marry this girl would be two years. I knew I wanted to marry Danny within six months and I started hunting for a ring, even though we were having like knockdown drag out fights. I just knew something in me. I'm like, I don't care. She's kind of crazy sometimes. I'm kind of crazy sometimes. Oh my gosh, it's so romantic. And I just wanted to marry the girl. I don't know. It's something triggered in me. It just, it was time. But I mean, hey, you're, maybe you're like one of those guys who just needs a lot of time to think about things and you want to, let's make sure we live together first. I just want to make sure she doesn't have any weird hygiene thing or like I'm going to open a closet and some skeleton's going to come out or like, dude, you are so making excuses. You just don't know whether you want to marry her yet, okay? And if you don't know, you better figure it out soon because TikTok, TikTok, not a lot of women can have babies comfortably in their mid-30s, all right? 
And it's not fair for you to sit around, especially if you're in a sexual relationship, it is not fair for you to sit around getting all the benefits of marriage without making any sort of commitment to that girl. That is so unfair. And the fact that our culture is totally cool with people dating for six, seven, eight plus years, even living together, having dogs together, hell, having babies together, and not making a lifelong commitment to one another is downright ludicrous, okay? Something changes when you take those vows up there. Now, I'll get spiritual on you. I'm actually not going to go here. Let's go logical. Something happens when you get up in front of your friends and your family and you make a lifelong commitment and you do the vows and you do the tuxes and you do the travel and you do the hotels and you do the honeymoon and you live together and then you change the names. There's something happens at a very, very deep level that is almost inseverable unless you are very intentional about severing it. I mean, you hear the priests, what God brings together, let no man separate. There is a force that is activated on that wedding day. It is so much better and it is so different than what you have right now dating that girl. It is a way bigger deal. You are playing JV ball, okay? You think you're getting all the benefits of varsity. Bro, being married is super cool. It keeps you focused. It gets you committed to things. You start setting dreams and goals With someone who loves you, who wants those things for you, who can hold you accountable on the path, it is varsity ball. And you are sitting there on the bench, by the way. I'm going to go there. You're on the bench. You're playing JV ball, and you think you're playing varsity because you're like, hey, I get sex whenever I want. I'm not, like, absolutely locked down with this girl. I don't have to commit. So, like, why would I go spend X amount of dollars on a ring? It's got to be 10% of my salary, 20% of my salary. Why are you doing all that? Do you want to marry the girl or not? You ever seen the movie Braveheart? If you haven't, freaking, there should be a penalty for you at the state level. But go watch Braveheart. Braveheart is a beautiful movie. God, it's also just a terrorizing movie. But I love when he he locks his eyes on that girl in, from his village, his hometown village, and he's just like, I mean, it's Mel Gibson. He's just in his prime. Just like, I'm going to marry you. Like, you're my woman. Their marriage was amazing. They like literally went into some gully and got married under a tree and they were like, what's yours is mine. Like they were committed as heck. They got some priests like, was he ordained? I don't know. It doesn't matter. They wrapped leaves around fingers. It was awesome. That is marriage. That is marriage. We've, we've turned this freaking wedding thing into such a blown up disproportionate Let's just find a way to monetize the hell out of people getting married and making an $80,000 ordeal. It's all over social media. I mean, weddings built Etsy, for God's sakes. It's not necessary. Marry the girl. Commit to the girl. Have babies with the girl. Be a man, dude. And And listen, if you don't want those things, then break up with her. Let her go. It is not fair for you to bank on culture's definition of normal to have her strung along for the next four years for you to be, I don't know, still looking at other girls, still watching porn, still saving up for her rings. You got to even go ring shopping with these girls now. It's ridiculous. Be a man. Decide if you want to be with the girl for the rest of your life. Make a commitment or just let her go. Cut her loose. Stop leaning on convenience and just actually make decisions that benefit her and you long-term. Stop abusing the crown. Stop sitting there and enjoying 
what you think are the benefits of a varsity relationship when you are clearly preventing you and her from graduating from JV. That was my point number two. Number three is a little bit deeper and there are tentacles here and I only want to focus on a few tentacles, but number three is you're putting others over her. There was a reason this is number three because at this point, I don't know, let's say you've cut porn. Let's say, you know, you're not going to be looking at other women doing crazy things on the internet all day and then like turning and having a relationship with her. That's just sick if you really think about it. Number two, you're committed to her, right? You're like, hey, you're my girl. I'm your guy. I'm in. Let's do this. Okay, I'm laying the context. Number three is you're putting others over her. Dude, if you're married, she's got to be number one. Yeah, like it's very simple. If she's married, she's got to be number one. She's more important than your friends. I'm sorry, but you didn't get up with your buddy in front of a church and make a commitment. She's more important than your mom. I'm sorry. She's more important than your mom. The way I believe is when we go to heaven, we're going to be with the person we committed to. We're going to be with our spouse for eternity. It's a big deal. Are you with that with your mom? No. Hopefully she's there. We can hang out for eternity. Also really cool. Not my wife up there. Not my wife here. I don't go home to my mom every night. If you do, different podcast. Why are you listening? Your wife, not your girlfriend. I'm not saying that. When you're dating, your mom can be number one. <laughs> like, whatever. Whatever you need, bro. When you are married, your wife is number one. What does that mean? Like, how does that manifest? Don't freaking talk bad about my wife. Don't even insinuate. I will slap you verbally across the face if you talk bad about my wife. She is connected to me now. You criticize my wife, you criticize me. It's almost like an old mafia movie, but there's legitimacy to it. It's like, you talking to me, you talking to my boy. It's like, no, no, no. I'm actually just talking about marriage here. Don't know how that got involved. Be loyal. Be loyal to your wife. Don't let people talk down to her. Don't let her be deprioritized. Don't let her be disinvited. And then you're invited. There's no way around the reality that I am now her and she is now me. A lot of people miss this and they allow unhealthy patterns that they brought into marriage persist within the marriage and around the marriage. And so when they get married, especially if they dated for seven years, they don't really know how to set boundaries and say, no, 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 this is my family now. That is the hardest thing a man has to do when he gets married, in my opinion, is to start actually believing in his mind that his wife and him are a family and they are his family, his number one priority family. Your family, where you came from, your mom and your dad and your sisters and your brothers or dogs or whatever, those are now considered your family of origin, okay? They're no longer your primary family. Now, am I saying when you get married, like Nick's all responsibility to be a brother and a son and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely not, man. Come on. But if they start encroaching upon your identity as a married man to your wife, some of those other relationships will suffer. They will have to suffer. How else will those people learn that you mean business when you're talking about, you know, the whole thing like I meant my vows, I committed to my wife? If you're allowing your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your dogs <laughs> to talk negative about your wife, to disinvite her, 
to cut her down, to have nicknames for her, to invite you and not her, to wait for her to be out of town, to reach out to you. You are not prioritizing your wife. You are abusing the crown. Because how can you have the benefits of kingship without paying the price for kingship? She walks back in the house. Maybe she's not strong enough to stand up for you on some of that stuff. Hell, maybe it's broken patterns she had modeled for a kid. Maybe she doesn't even realize it's wrong. It's up for you to lead and protect her. This is not about what she's willing to put up with. This is about what you are willing to do to earn the crown. You know what's right. Those things are not sustainable. None of these things I'm talking about are sustainable. Pornography in a relationship is not sustainable. Staying, hanging on to a dating relationship with a girl for 10 plus years is not sustainable. It's going to break. She can say, yeah, I just want to be partners forever. BS. She does not. She just wants to keep you. She's worried about losing you. Man up. And putting others over her is not sustainable. It will come to fruition. That knockdown, drag out fight. That thing where she's talking to a counselor and she's like, I just never felt like he actually made a commitment to me. Guys, we cannot afford to not live up to these crowns. We have such a great opportunity to step into strong, loving manhood. And it does not start with waiting to kind of read her and see what she's willing to put up with or what she went through as a kid or what her definition of normal is. Come on, man. Be better than that. If they came out tomorrow and said it's suddenly, it's totally okay if you want to rob a bank, would you go rob a bank? No, because robbing a bank is wrong. Robbing a bank is wrong. Do what's right. You're robbing these relationships. You're getting all of the benefits of kingship, but you're not making sacrifices for the crown. So I got a question for you. I think I've raised a lot of questions. I think you're probably just ready for me to just shut up at this point. But the only question is this. Have you earned the crowns that are on your head? Don't be arrogant here, man. Have you earned the crowns that have been placed upon your head? When you look at your wife, when you look at your girlfriend, when you look at the person you're committed to to some degree, and they look at you, do you feel a sense of leadership? Do you feel like a leader? Now, if that look is missing from her eyes, you did that. Now, listen, she's not perfect. But if that look in the eyes of someone who loves you, in the eyes of someone who wants the best for you, in the eyes of someone who believes the best in you, if that look is absent, you've got some work to do. And it can start with a conversation. Hey, I really want you to trust me. I want you to respect me. And Maybe I haven't earned that. Here's some things I think I'm going to do to earn that. Whoa, game changer. You might want to have her sit down for that one. Build some margin afterwards. Don't do that like right before something big, you know? She'll be like, what? what? You know, start panting, hyperventilating. And if she does look at you with that look of respect and trust and reverence, man, you're you're so fortunate. That girl's world revolves around how you treat her and the decisions you make together and how much quality time 
you guys spend together, man, it's great to be loved. It's great to be loved. It's great to be committed to. It's great to be loved. And it's also great to know that someone loves you so much they're willing to make sacrifices for you. Are you willing to make sacrifices for her? Are you willing to earn the look that she gives you? Just because she's giving you that look does not mean you've earned it. So that's the challenge for this week. I'm also challenging myself on this. This is something I think that just needs to be said in our culture today. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Saddled Stallion Podcast. That's it, guys. Be strong, be humble, walk in purposeful manhood. Mm -hmm.